Hello and welcome to the Learning From Legend show with me, Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this week I talked to a legend of the Bitcoin fraternity. Yes, his name is Jeremy Ng. He comes from a company called Gemini. They have a platform for um, for cryptocurrencies. He's based in Singapore, regarded worldwide as an expert on Bitcoin. Uh, my conversation with him was such that I'm actually contemplating buying Bitcoin now, and I went in there as, as a complete cynic. Not saying, by the way, this is not financial advice. I'm not saying to you that I am going to buy Bitcoin, but I'm far more positive about the prospects of Bitcoin after listening to this conversation with Jeremy. I, I must admit, it has inspired me to actually do a little bit more objective analysis about this. It's such a controversial financial product, Bitcoin, um, as we speak. It dropped thirty thousand, dropped to thirty thousand US dollars overnight, then bounced back to thirty-two thousand US dollars. Tom Lee from Fundstrat, one of the, I think one of the smartest um, players in the uh, financial markets uh, in the US, he thinks it's going to be a hundred thousand US dollars by Christmas. But Tom could be wrong. This is a very interesting interview, and I'm sure if you're interested in learning about Bitcoin, you'll get to learn a fair bit. Joining me now is a legend of the cryptocurrency world. His name is Jeremy Ng, and he's based in Singapore. He's the MD, Asia Pacific, uh, of a company called Gemini, which is a crypto platform. Thanks for coming on the program, Jeremy. No, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you get these questions all the time, but for people who are listening in and they really don't understand um, – the, the, the basics of, of cryptocurrency. Let's start with Bitcoin. Why is Bitcoin so valuable? I think, you know, we, we look at Bitcoin from a few angles, right? You know, number one, um, it is the oldest cryptocurrency. Uh, you know, it was, it was created um, back in 2009, you know, right after the financial crisis. And it is the only asset um, in the world that has a specific limited supply. So for those of you who are not aware, um, the, the maximum supply of Bitcoin can only reach uh, 21 million and it can never mine more Bitcoin. So, so because of that fact, you know, it is the only asset uh, in the world, you know, not even gold. I mean, even gold, if you think about it, you, know, you can still have about 5 to 8% of annual supply coming to the market. You know, but for Bitcoin, uh, it's a maximum of 21 million. And, and I think by, by that fact, you know, it's demand and supply in the basic economics 101. Yep. Anything that has a limited supply has value. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the fact that it is now dividable or divisible um, on various platforms and people can buy percentages of bit, Bitcoin, has that helped the value of Bitcoin or undermined the value of Bitcoin? It definitely has helped. Um, number one, the fact that you can buy in a fraction, it means that it totally democratized um, you know, adoption. So whether you have a bank account, you don't have a bank account, whether you have, you're making 100,000 a year or, or 5,000 a year, you, you can still have access to Bitcoin um, as an investment or as a store of value. So, so I think this really kind of drives a mass adoption 
especially into into the mass retail market. So for me, uh, it definitely is a positive, and it's also part of the reason how Bitcoin was created. That you know it is investable in up to um, eight decimal places. Yeah. Unlike if you look at a piece of Tesla, you might like the company, but if you don't have six hundred or seven hundred US dollar, you know you're not able to own a share of the company. Tell me this: you know you've worked in companies like Goldman Sachs, uh, and you clearly understand many aspects of the investing world. Is there any other asset out there? that has the volatility of Bitcoin? I can't think of one. I can't think of one, but maybe you can. <laughs> At the moment, um, I agree. Um, volatility on Bitcoin or cryptocurrency as an asset class is high. But I'd like to take a step back, right? You know, even looking at Bitcoin in particular, just about maybe say three years or five years ago, the volatility was much higher then. So even though at about 80% um, volatility, it is considered high you know, versus the other traditional asset classes like equities or, or fixed income for that matter. Um, but the fact that it has been slowly declining, I think it is a evidence that there is an increased institutional adoption. So just like in equities, a small cap stock you know, will have a high volatility, they're large cap stock. And even, even if you look at Amazon uh, in early 2000, um, it was highly volatile. And in fact, the stock price has fallen 85% from the peak to trough, you know, before becoming the, 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 the most valuable company in the world. So volatility is, is one thing that uh, clearly we, we all recognize, and especially for a young asset class like cryptocurrency, which is after all only about 12 years of history, uh, as they mature, uh, I believe that the volatility will also slowly, you know, be reduced. Do you think that the divisibility has actually added to the volatility? Because if there was just X number of Bitcoin, it would it would be like X number of Picassos, in a sense, wouldn't it? You know, or X number of impressionist paintings. And I've never numbered them, but I would say there's probably. 3,000 really valuable Impressionist paintings. And they sit within a, a price range depending on whether you like Monet, Manet or, or whoever. So Bitcoin <laughs> – but and so it would be, it'd be limited to all the people who were prepared to pay those large amounts. But because you've got so many people involved in, in Bitcoin because of divisibility, do you think that has actually added to the volatility? Then I, I will take a step back and, um, and to look at – the purpose of the creation of Bitcoin. Mm. Uh, the purpose of the creation of Bitcoin is not for it to be owned by a handful, number of investors, um, but it is for the public, um, for the people, and, and even like in our mantra as a, as a company, right, Gemini, is to empower the individual. So, so I think, you know, the basis is, you know, Bitcoin is for everyone. Now, the volatility part is, is, is really a separate question altogether. Um, and, and like I said, I really believe that, you know, as the asset class continue to mature, as people start to understand more, they start to read about a white paper, understand exactly, you know, the true essence of uh, what Bitcoin means and, and what the technology means for the future of finance or the future of money, the volatility will slowly come down. Now, if I can also, you know, coming from my traditional banking uh, uh, background, when we look at volatility, we, we don't look at it in isolation. We always look at it vis-a-vis -vis return. 
So from a risk-adjusted basis, um, Bitcoin actually has the best um, uh, sharp ratio. So if you look at a 10-year average return on Bitcoin, it is close to 200% compared to the 10-year return average return on S&P 500 global equities about 9%. Mm. So but, volatility might not be a bad thing yeah. in, in that regard. Yeah, but but Jeremy, you know, the, the people who bought in at 54000 today would be thinking, hang on, at 32, whatever it is today, that's a that's a big that's a big jump, it's a big drop, and and we don't know whether it's going to go back to fifty four soon, or if mm-hmm. the Chinese government might get involved and push it down even further. This is this is a very a very tricky asset, and I'm, as you can see, I'm not being critical of its existence, but I, I just think it's it's a it's a very dangerous plaything, and I should put this all in perspective that. Four or five years ago, in my Sky Business uh, program, I had a uh, an, uh, an owner of a hotel in Woolloomooloo in Sydney, and a backpacker paid him a Bitcoin for the night, and Bitcoin then was worth three hundred and twenty nine dollars, <laughs> and I remember that you know quite uh, dramatically because as I watched the price go, I realised that this hotel owner probably didn't need to. Um, keep uh, being a hotel owner if he was accepting lots of Bitcoin in those days at $329. And so, all right, so, okay, let's accept that. I've I've got a number of questions from investors who watch my show, and and here are some of the questions I'd love you to have a crack at. First question, uh, Bitcoin in a range of $30,000 to $42,000 US dollars, where do you see the direction going? This question doesn't come with a time frame, but let's just say over the course of this year, what's your best guess of where you think the value of Bitcoin will go? And be right, Jeremy, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, purely, purely my personal view. Yeah. Obviously, um, Gemini doesn't, doesn't provide a price target or research um, or investment advice. Mm. Um, now, I, could, I, I can't tell you where the bottom is, uh, I don't think anybody could. Um, so when, when I look at Bitcoin uh, in particular, uh, I take a four or five years investment horizon. Now, whether are we going to see lower or higher in the next one month, I can't tell you. But, you know, I, I'm confident that in the next few years uh, down the road, uh, it will be higher than where the price is right now. So from, a, from an investment standpoint, uh, I think, the price point right now is a good level for accumulation. Mm. And, and again, you're right that this asset class is highly volatile. So the way that I would suggest investors kind of go about thinking of allocation to crypto is from a portfolio construction standpoint, just that like you don't put in 100% equities, you don't put in 100% into crypto as well. You can start with a allocation of say three to 5%, um, don't take leverage, putting the amount of money that you are able to hold long-term and, and stick to your conviction um, on the tokens that you have understood the technology, understood the protocol, understood the engineering team that's behind it. And for Bitcoin, obviously, understanding you know, exactly what, uh, what it means and brings. And, um, and, and I would then sit on it and hold on for long-term and, and wait for it to appreciate. Okay. The actions of the Chinese government, specifically against Bitcoin, um, how lasting will the effect be, do you think, on the value of Bitcoin? I think that's a very good question. And clearly, you know, the price action that we've seen in 
you know, just in, the, in fact, over the last 24 hours, uh, a lot of it is primarily driven by the negative news flow that's coming mm. out from China. If we remember back in 2017, um, China has also banned crypto trading. And in fact, some of the crypto exchanges in China actually has shut down, while some of the others have left and, and moved away to, you know, to be conducted the business offshore. So did, did the market crash and, and stay down? I think we all remember, right? You know, what happened is that, yes, over the next couple of years, there, there was a period of time where Bitcoin was trading, you know, below 10,000. But since the end of last year, it has recovered and even went to all-time high. So I don't think one country's action um, is able to, to destroy this market. Uh, Bitcoin is bigger than that. I mean, on one hand, China is banning crypto, but on the other hand, you have El Salvador establishing Bitcoin as a legal tender and, um, and allowing it to be, to be um, recognized as a currency, official currency. So I, I would say that, um, so my, my, my money is that this would not have a severe and lasting impact on the price of Bitcoin. The value of Bitcoin is, is more than, um, essentially it's decentralized. It is peer to peer. So that, that is my long, long way to answer your question. All right. Yes, that's okay. I realized it was a hard question and, and they're going to get harder, uh, Jeremy, because you are the expert and people are curious about it. Um, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll ask this question. What is the, the lowest value where you would be prepared to say it would be madness not to buy Bitcoin at this level? Now, before you give your answer, before you give your answer, if someone said to me, Commonwealth Bank, I'm sure you know the Commonwealth Bank in Australia. Yeah, what, what, yes. is, what is the minimum price where I would say you'd be mad not to buy it? Well, at $40. It's, it, it was $58 after the coronavirus crash. It's now uh, over $100. But at $40, and I must admit, I bought it at 28 during the GFC, uh, which was a great, a great buy. I think $40, I'd be quite comfortable saying you'd be mad not to buy CBA then. Can you do the same for Bitcoin? Is there a minimum price where you just say, uh, if, it, if it's this price, I'd put my mother and my father in, in this with a lot of money? I don't look at it this way. I, I can share my personal experience. I, I have invested um, in Bitcoin you know, back in 2017, 18 at 14000 and um, you know, and I was accumulating, you know, even at about four thousand and five thousand mm. uh, last year, and I've been accumulating, you know, even at fifty thousand US dollars. So, so for me, it is really a long term, um, a long term investment horizon for me. I, I see Bitcoin above a hundred thousand, or two hundred thousand, or for that matter, my founders, uh, Cameron and Tyler, um, they published a report um, called Five. Bitcoin 500,000, the basic joint comparison between Bitcoin and gold, arguing that Bitcoin is a better version of gold. Mm. And if gold is at 11 trillion market cap, Bitcoin is at 700 billion, going up 10x, you know, from here is, is not very far-fetched, but obviously is it going to happen in three years or is it going to be five years or 10 years? I don't have the answer. And that's why for me, it is kind of believing in what Bitcoin does, um, the value it is, you know, over the longer term, and and I would accumulate at this level, and I accumulate, you know, at lower than this level too. 
Okay. Um, let's say you've got China working against Bitcoin. Now, I've even read even the criminals are getting out of Bitcoin and looking at alternatives. <laughs> and, and remember, the, the criminals are a part of the, the Bitcoin fraternity, if I can use that term. And then we throw in the fact that regulators might say, well, yeah, okay, Bitcoin is acceptable by lots of people as currency and as a medium of exchange. So imagine the, the central banks over the next three or four years get in there and say, we're going to regulate Bitcoin. Does that then reduce the, the potential price rise of Bitcoin over time? Those three forces. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you asked that question, um, especially about criminals kind of using um, Bitcoin in dark web and all that. I think there is a bit of misconception. Um, the role or, or you know, what the illicit activities has been, uh, has been going on in the cryptocurrency market. So according to Chainalysis, um, you know, in their 2021 report, criminal activity actually only represents about 2.1% of all crypto transaction volume. And if we compare that in the fiat market, it's about two to 5% of global GBP is connected with money laundering or any other illegal activity, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I would say that, you know, the criminal activity that's using crypto transactions actually much smaller than fiat currency and also much smaller than what <clears throat> the media has kind of publicized. So, so whether they are gonna continue to use cryptocurrencies for, for those purposes, uh, I, I don't think it has any bearing at all to the value of Bitcoin. Okay, okay. Jeremy. I'm sure you saw the American television program, Billions. Um, if not, you surprised me if you, ha if you hadn't seen it. Um, I me, love the movie. Yeah, I, right. I, I love the series. Yeah, and, and, <clears throat> and as you might recall, Bobby Axelrod, when he did some behind under the, the table dealings, he used Bitcoin. All right, so to what extent are the – the naughty people of the funds management world using Bitcoin, uh, do you think? I know you don't know the answer to the question, but I just had to ask that question anyway because there are, there are people who probably are not seen as the dark web type criminals, but they are financial criminals. They're insider traders and whatever and things like that. Yeah, the interesting thing is actually, uh, in my view, um, using Bitcoin for criminal activities is probably the last thing that um, any criminals would think of because the fact that is the blockchain is public, it is immutable, is fully transparent, mm. means that every single transaction can be tracked and it will never be removed. So, so I, I wouldn't think that that would be the best way um, for any illegal transaction to kind of use the Bitcoin um, network to mm. transact. Mm. So if that makes sense to you, I, I, I think you know that that's the way I look at it. And that's why perhaps you know, as as we come along, you know, from 2009-2010, we see that the the percentage of such illicit transaction on the Bitcoin uh, network has been reducing substantially. Also because there's more technology now to be able to track all these all this transfer and transaction over the whole blockchain. Mm. Would, it, would it actually be a good thing for Bitcoin if the, the level of monitoring of every Bitcoin activity 
became was under the eye of some regulator who doesn't interfere in the price or anything like that, but simply just makes sure that the integrity of the Bitcoin or the cryptocurrency system is actually beyond reproach? Regulation, um, in my view, in my company's view, is a good thing. So Gemini, for example, we've always embraced um, regulation. We've always uh, want to work very closely with regulators because as we, regulation does not equate to centralization. So the cryptocurrency technology is still going to be decentralized, but having regulators to provide a proper framework to govern the different players that's in this ecosystem will add a lot more security, especially to retail investors who are invest who are investing in this market to, to be protected against bad players for that matter. Um, so to me, you know, I actually welcome to have more regulators coming in to put together a proper framework for the whole ecosystem to, to kind of continue to flourish. And with regulation and framework, that's when greater institutional adoption can happen. So, so to me, um, I see regulation uh, as, uh, you know, I welcome regulation for that matter. Um, really good news involving Bitcoin recently was the US government department or FBI effectively was able to access someone's Bitcoin that had been used in a ransom of a US company. Uh, but then that then raised the question, is the, the security of Bitcoin something that a new player might worry about? See, someone might be listening to this and say, well, you know, Jeremy's a smart guy. Um, if I see Bitcoin at $20,000, yeah, I'll, I'll put 5% of my, my portfolio into Bitcoin. Then I wake up one morning and I hear that, you know, some nasty Russian hacker has ripped off all the Bitcoin in the world and I've lost. Is, is that a worry? for potential players in Bitcoin? Uh, absolutely. Security is, I would say, among the top one or two things that any investors should worry about and should be concerned about. And, and that's why it is paramount for them to do their homework and transact the, the Bitcoin uh, or cryptocurrency on a platform that is trusted, that's regulated, and that's proven to, to be top-notch in security. And, and I think that's why you know, we as a company, you know, we, we are a qualified custodian. We are the first exchange and custody that has obtained SOC 1 Type 2, SOC 2 Type 2, Deloitte certification, and, and, and also have the largest insurance coverage of our digital asset. And, and I think all this is done in order to protect and safeguard the digital assets of our users that has entrusted us to place the asset you know, under our custody. So you're absolutely right. It is paramount that anybody that want to invest in digital asset, they need to make sure they do their homework and ensure the security of the digital assets. If not, hackers will be a big danger for them. Um, would you like Elon Musk to shut up about Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> Or do you want him to talk, talk, talk more positively about Bitcoin? I think you know, I, I would really appreciate if Elon can probably spend a little bit more time on his research to understand more about Bitcoin, to understand more about, especially I think his, his last tweet is about how Bitcoin is not clean enough. 
I think there's a lot of misconception because in my view, I think the Bitcoin mining industry is probably one of the most renewable focus uh, and, and incentive aligned industry. If you look at the banking system and gold mining industry, they actually use two and a half times more energy consumption than Bitcoin mining. And also energy consumption does not equate to carbon emission and pollution. So in one of the research, um, it actually shows that 76% of Bitcoin miners, they use renewable energy sources. So that, that is something that you know, um, is not well publicized. And, and now you know, with El Salvador, uh, talking about using volcano energy to uh, to mine Bitcoin, I think that that is really all kind of moving in the right direction. So I feel that Bitcoin is a lot greener than people give Bitcoin credit for. You better you better explain to someone who's listening to this and doesn't understand when you say there's 21 million um, Bitcoins maximum, but there still is a small percentage that aren't in the hands of anyone, is that right? And they can be mined. So what, what, what is that percentage that can still be mined? Um, right now, out of 21 million, um, the total Bitcoin in circulation uh, that has already been mined uh, is less, it's about 19 million. Hmm. So essentially, if you go according to the, um, the halving schedule, um, the last Bitcoin, or at least the, the very close to the last Bitcoin, would be mined around the year of 2140. So we still have 120 years from now. Yeah. So it's just going to get increasingly more and more difficult to mine Bitcoin. And also the reward um, will start to reduce. And, and that is why Bitcoin is deflationary compared to our fiat currencies, where central banks are just kind of expanding the balance sheet and printing money. Uh, which is inflationary. Okay, so you've mentioned Gemini a couple of times and I've, I've used your time. So I'll give you a chance to give a bit of publicity because a lot of people don't understand how a, a cryptocurrency platform works. So why don't you imagine there is someone, they, they look at the, the price of Bitcoin today, it's 30,000 around that mark and that person wants to buy one Bitcoin. How do they go about it? How, how do they so with, it? Um, it used to be very difficult, um, but I think Gemini has made things a lot more seamless and easy for a user. So if, today you have a user that would like to invest in cryptocurrencies. What they can do is they can download our app or go to our website. Just have to use one of the government issued identity card in Australia to get yourself um, signed up and to get your identity uh, KYC and verified. And the next thing you do is to link up a local bank account onto our platform and you can do a direct wire transfer. You can send in your Australian dollars in local currencies. And within 24 hours, you see your funds appearing in the Gemini wallet and you can then do a transaction. As simple as that, uh, we'll take care of your custody. We'll take care of your transaction and and, and that's all I need to do. So where does my Bitcoin um, hang out? Where do I, I see my Bitcoin? In my, obviously, in my Gemini account, there would be the fact that I have one Bitcoin. Correct. So it will be held um, in the Gemini custody. So we'll hold it for you. Mm. And, and there are two different versions of wallet that our user can choose. Um, it's on either the exchange wallet 
where you put your digital asset, you know, together with a commingle omnibus account, mm. or you can choose to have your own segregated cold storage, where you pay a small fee for that, and then you have your own private address that you can verify on a public blockchain, on that one Bitcoin that you own. So there are two different, that basically two different options uh, for in investors, okay. and it's available for to all investors. Okay, so I buy in at thirty thousand, and you know, some I'm listening to you, and I'm so influenced by your great explanation. I happily discover it by Christmas time, it's a hundred thousand dollars, as I, I think a gentleman by the name of Turpin predicted earlier on my program this year. So I've effectively made $70,000. How easily can I then cash it in and say, hasta la vista, Gemini? As easy as you're sending your Australian dollar into the platform, one click of a button, you withdraw the same Australian dollars yep. back into your bank account. And what percentage do you guys take for providing that service? Uh, so we do not charge um, any fee at all for deposit and withdrawal. Mm. So, so but, the only fee that we charge is is the transaction fee. Okay, and and what is the transaction fee? So for Australian dollars, um, transaction on our platform is at about one point five percent. And so it'd be one point five percent on thirty thousand if I if I purchase at thirty thousand. If you purchase, that's correct. Okay, that's correct. But we have also a different platform, uh, what we call Active Trader, um, for investors that like to engage in a little bit more active trading. Mm. So that that platform uh, is available in US dollar, um, and and the fees are much lower. It starts at about zero point three five percent. Okay. So that's another option. Okay. Now, I don't want you to be offended, Jeremy, but the bottom line is this: if the this same very service was operated by Commonwealth Bank or Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan, I'd have a lot more confidence because I don't know Gemini. So how do you how do you explain to people that Gemini is a really safe place to do this Bitcoin play? Good question. We are one of the oldest crypto native uh, platforms. So we established in 2014 uh, in the crypto world. That is one of the oldest. Yes. And, and our founders are Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. Um, so they. He was a they, pretty, they pretty were, good uh, scholar in his time, wasn't he? An Olympic scholar? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, he uh, was. Olympic rower. And he, was he was ripped <laughs> off for Facebook as well, wasn't he? <laughs> I shall not comment on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was only guessing that. But go on. <laughs> so so we, we are one of the most established names. And um, if you look at. if you. I think I think the simplest way for me to explain this is um, the world's first Bitcoin listed ETF that is launched in the Toronto Stock Exchange, uh, Purpose Investment. So they use Gemini as the sole digital asset custodian. Yeah. And subsequently, the other four crypto ETFs, they're all listed in Toronto Stock Exchange. They all use Gemini as the custodian. So if you think about it, listed ETF is for mass market, for retail, for everyone, right? Mm. And uh, and you need the regulators to be approved, the exchange to approve. And I think the fact that they've chosen Gemini um, out of all the custodians out there, um, I, I think that in itself is a testament of the the security of our digital asset um, custodian infrastructure. Okay. 
All right. So, um, is there a is there a better question I should have asked you, Jeremy? I've I've tried to think through everything that people always ask me, which I don't necessarily <clears throat> answer to. But is there a better question out there, or or a, or a good question that maybe I should have asked you? <laughs> I would say that um, I, I really would encourage because there are over seven hundred tokens um, that's listed, right? You know, uh, Jeremy and I list about fifty of them. And and I often get a question. Okay, you know, we, which one should I look at? Should I look at those? Should I look at this and that? I think my my recommendation is, please do not look at cryptocurrency as a quick way to get rich scheme. Um, do your research. Understand the technology behind it. Understand the team behind it. And and once you have conviction, uh, take a long term approach. And, and not expect to double your money or triple your money in a short period of time. Uh, do not take leverage. So I, I would say that, that that is the way that we should be investing in this asset class. It is still early stage. Um, it is still the beginning. You know, to me, it's almost like investing in the internet in the early 90s. So there's still a long way to go. Um, but be patient and make sure you do your homework properly. Jeremy, thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you very much. Have a good day. And that's the show for this week. Thanks for joining us. If you're interested in investing in Bitcoin or any other financial product out there or stock, have a look at the Switzer Report, switzerreport.com.au. And in coming weeks, we will be looking, looking at Bitcoin in a lot more detail. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week. Quentin time! Quentin time! <laughs>